Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. He is good. Amen. God is good. If you want to open your Bibles, we're just going to go for a few minutes to and start in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9. You know, there are many descriptions of Jesus and who he is, and I just want to take a look at, at one today as we kind of, uh, technically this would be the first Sunday of Advent, um, the first of four Sundays leading up to Christmas uh, on the 25th uh, of December, and uh, I really sense that this is an appropriate I don't know, aspect of who Jesus is that, that we really need. Uh, just like Ashley opened up with, she said, you know, don't, don't we need the, the Christmas season this year more than ever? Uh, and it's probably not, it's not really true, it's just how we feel. Uh, it's not true. We, we, need, we need the reality of who Jesus is and his birth and life and death and resurrection exactly the same as we did last year. We are in desperate need of Jesus, whether it's 2019 or 2020. Uh, we're just a little bit more aware of it. Uh, and so thank you, Lord, for making us aware of our need for you. Thank you, Lord, for making us uncomfortable uh, and allowing us to, to have an opportunity to find out who you really are. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to lay down the idol of comfort and convenience or preference or whatever it may be so that we can live in your kingdom. A little bit less amen on that one, so. <laughs> I'm still working through that one, too, so don't, you know. I was hoping you'd say amen so I didn't have to. Um, <clears throat> so... Isaiah chapter 9, if you don't know, the book of Isaiah is an amazing book in the Old Testament. And Isaiah was a prophet, and he had visions of who the Messiah was, the coming Messiah, Jesus. And so Isaiah is filled with all these pictures and encounters that Isaiah has with God that shows him, this is him. This is the one you're waiting for. And... I want us to pick it up in chapter 9, um, and it, there's all kinds of other things going on in Isaiah. I don't have time to, to summarize them all right now, but he is, he is prophesying in the midst of trouble and turmoil, and there's people attacking the people of God, and there's desperation, and there's hunger, and there's sickness, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, so it's certainly relevant. But in the middle of this, he begins to see pictures. He begins to catch a glimpse of this person, of this, of this coming one. And he, he sometimes puts it into different words. You know, it says... Uh, Earlier in the book of Isaiah, he prophesied, says, hey, God's going to give you a sign in chapter 7. And the virgin is going to be with child. 
uh, and they didn't get it back then, and Isaiah may have not got it to a full extent, but it, when you look back on it, and after Jesus and, the bir- you know, and Mary and the virgin birth and all those things, where you're like, oh, wow, this was God preparing the way and saying this is what he's going to look like. But Isaiah has all these sections throughout. Later on, there's Isaiah 53, of course, which is the most famous chapter in Isaiah, where it says that, that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his wounds or his stripes we are healed. You know, that Isaiah actually has a vision of the suffering of Jesus, of the suffering Messiah, the servant who would die, who would lay down his life for his loved ones. So in chapter 9, though, there's, there's kind of a, in the middle, early on in Isaiah, he has this picture. So I'm going to read this whole section and focus in on one, one specific part of it. So if you join me, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open the Word of God, even as we read it. May our lives be transformed. May you move in our hearts in Jesus' name. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. I like that one right there, huh? In the past... He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. We've got a little bit more humility now, don't we? But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. He's just telling, this is where Jesus is going to hang out. Uh, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire." For to us, or unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I mean, what a powerful passage that is right there and really relevant for right now. I mean, the the announcement of Jesus is the announcement of light in the middle of darkness, is the announcement of change in the middle of gloom, is the announcement of victory in the middle of defeat, is the announcement of harvest in the middle of barrenness and, and lack. And so Jesus, and Isaiah has this picture, there's a child and he's going to be the son. In other words, he's going to come as a baby, but he's going to be the son of God. And he's going to come and he's going to do things. And he's, you know, it's not going to be a human government. We got to think of, we got to get rid of that word government that we have. The government. Okay. Uh, as someone in this church says, that we'll name it nameless. Uh, that's his kingdom. 
That's the kingdom, the rule of God right there, is the government will be on his shoulders. He's not talking about the U.S. government. He's not talking about the EU. He's not talking about Russia. He's not talking about China. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Isn't that good news? You know, our hope is not in government. If we ever get off track in our hopes in government, uh, and some of us believers have gotten off track, haven't we? Sometimes we get off track. Anyway, this is, I'm not going to go too far on that. My wife has the eyes wide right now. <laughs> oh, boy, I won't say something else. Anyway, okay, so back to the Bible. <laughs> For unto us a child is born, he will be called. These are the names of Jesus. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, in Prince of Peace. You know, as I was praying about this message, I, I just felt like the word peace came to me. And I was reading in John 16, in verse 33. And when Jesus has been talking to his disciples, it's the, the last night, the night he's betrayed. He's with the disciples. And in the book of John, he talks for a really long time. Like he talks for, for three whole chapters worth. Uh, and then he prays for a whole chapter's worth. And right at the end of the section where he's talking, Jesus says this in verse 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Like I said, this is one of the promises of, of God right here. It's not on the wall. Old joke that I've used over and over again, right? Who's tired of that joke? I am. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we don't sing songs about it in this world. Maybe we should sing a song. I mean, we don't, but it doesn't stop at trouble. Aren't you glad that it doesn't stop at trouble? It's not just the promise isn't this tr- is in trouble. It's part of the promise. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He is the prince of peace. Now, if you go back to Isaiah, try some Hebrew here, Don. Pastor Don, Don, is, Don and Gene are here visiting from Michigan, so we're thank, if you're a guest, uh, they used to pastor in Odessa, and then they joined us for about, well, several months too short, whatever it was. <clears throat> Not quite a year, half a year, or two-thirds of a year or something. And so we're glad to have them visiting, and Pastor Don does a lot of teaching in Hebrew, uh, and so the Hebrew word for prince is the word sar in English, S-A-R. In Hebrew, it's something else, um, but with those letters. Um, and so the root of this, that's the Hebrew word for prince. So when it says Jesus is the prince of peace, it says this, the root, there's two roots for the word sar. One is to wrestle and to fight. Okay, so that's part of the root word of the word prince in Hebrew. The other half of the root word that it's from is to rule or govern as royalty. And so the word right there when it says Jesus is the prince of peace, it means he is the warring ruler of peace. He's a warring ruler. Now, a warring ruler of peace, though. 
Now, what is peace? In the Old Testament, the word peace is the word that even people who don't know Hebrew have heard before in church sometimes, right? It's the word shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And it can be translated peace. It can be translated prosperity. It can be translated like wholeness or healing or health. Uh, it can be translated... Give me one more, Don. I'm forgetting one. Well, the word actually, in the word it says, the peace of God will destroy the authority that holds together chaos. Okay, that's good. Let me repeat that. The peace of God will destroy... The authority that holds together chaos. So he is the warring prince of the one who destroying the chaos. That's pretty good right there. I'm glad you're here today. Thank you. We got that bonus. <laughs> bonus, bonus parts. This is like that. Oh, yeah. Next time you come to visit, you'll do that for us, right? <laughs> so... There's this promise of Jesus being the prince of peace. And so it's interesting, though, that we have to understand that his, his rule is not about the things on this earth. It's not about kingdoms on this earth. It's not about changing the things of the ruling, the way things are done on earth necessarily. It's about changing the hearts of people. Ultimately, that's what Jesus is about. He, he, if nothing else happens, if you have a changed heart and a hell for life, you have hope. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. We are not promised to have an easy life. We know that now. Maybe some of us know more than others. But some of us have walked through situations that we already knew that. We didn't need the whole world to tell us that in this world we will have trouble. But we need to hear the second part of the scripture where Jesus says, Now take heart, I have overcome the world. Why? How has he overcome the world? By being the prince of peace. By being the one in charge. By being the one who has authority. In Isaiah it says the, his authority, his government, the extent of his dominion, of his power will have no end. It's going to increase and it's going to increase until he returns one day. And so we have the opportunity and the promise because of the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus into heaven... All of who Jesus is and what he did on earth, we have the opportunity to be an overcomer in this world. When we live in chaos, we can live in peace. When there's chaos around us, we can live in peace. And so Jesus says, look, so that in me you may have peace. For take heart, I've overcome the world. Colossians 3 and 15 says this, let the peace of Christ... Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. <laughs> Don't you like that little add-on at the end of that verse? I mean, I know the verses weren't there originally, but it's like at the end of the verse, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and all this stuff, and be thankful. <laughs> That's like the tagline of 2020, and be thankful. <laughs> 
I just threw it on there, right? You want to know something? You you don't want to hear this. There's no magic wand that's going to happen on January 1st, 2021. Did you know that? (laughs) The world is different forever. Everything's changed forever. It's not going back. I don't know what all the details are going to be. It's not going back. You know what they call people who live in the past? One of the things they call them? Irrelevant. And if we as the people of God want to be irrelevant, we can keep trying to go backwards. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing when Jesus showed up. When Jesus showed up, he's like, here's what it is. And they're like, no, back here it says, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. And of course, they had made up a lot of their own rules and stuff. They were the religious people of their day. And you know what? When you get it too much in religion, guess what? You get an addition of stuff that's not truly God, right? You have all these things that are added on that have been humanly added on that aren't the core message and the core heart of who God is and what he's doing. And so sometimes we have to allow the things to, the religious bondages that hold us captive, that it always wants to take you back. It always wants to say, well, back at this time, this is when it was really good. We can do that in our country. You know, those of us that are old, well, back in the 80s was really good, or back in the the good old days, right? They don't call nobody says back in the bad old days, right? They are it's always the good old days. Why is it always the good old days? It's like when you get older you're like, "Oh, I just remember you're just remembering good things. There were bad things there. There was trouble there. It was not perfect. It's not what Jesus wanted." And so we don't want to go backwards. Because it says that the increase of his government will have no end. In other words, Jesus is always moving forward. To be stuck in the past is to be without Jesus, in a way. He's not, he, he forgives our past, thank you Lord, right? He, he doesn't hold our past against us, but he moves on from that. He covers it with his blood and says, I am in the present and I am moving you forward to a good future. Full of trouble. (laughs) So that you can find peace in me and you can take heart that I've overcome the world. I know that's not the American gospel, so to speak, but it's the true gospel. The true gospel is this. Through many tribulations, you will enter the kingdom of God. That's what Paul said. All the first disciples of Jesus, they gave up everything to follow Jesus. They didn't have comfort. What did somebody say when, when Jesus came, when they came, a man came to Jesus and says, I'm going to follow you. And he said basically, hey, foxes have holes and all these things have dens, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, if you follow me, you may be sleeping outside, you may not have any money, you may get hungry, but you'll be with me. And it says the man walked away sad. Because Jesus wasn't worth following if it wasn't good. Ouch. (laughs) Let the peace of Christ rule 
in your hearts and be thankful. Final scripture. Do not be, this is Philippians 4 and verse 6 and 7. It's going to be a short message today. It's to the point, short and to the point. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, okay, um, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you notice that the peace of God is not a mental state necessarily? In other words, it's not just I think it out and it's logical and it, it, it all lines up together. It says it's greater than that. That the peace of God is something that transcends your understanding. The way you think about life, the way you view things, the way, your perspective may be wrong. And that's why we need the peace of God to transcend, to go beyond, to be greater than, to be above our own understanding. What does Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So we have to lay down sometimes understanding. I promise this message is not just for you. (laughs) We lay down our understanding. Knowing and trusting in Jesus that he is a king who is a prince of peace. That his peace is greater than any storm that will come into my life. And I'm going to know him and I'm going to get to trust him. And I'm going to have a revelation of him. And I'm going to hold on to him. And I'm going to let him hold on to me. And I'm going to let his peace transcend all my understanding. And that's the thing, we have to understand his peace is powerful enough to rule over our chaos and our confusion. To rule over our anxiety and our, and our double-mindedness. To His peace will transcend all that stuff that's going on in here and a lot of the stuff that's going on in here and say, My peace I give you, I don't give as the world gives. Take heart. You know, the word here uh, for the guard, I love this, and I know I've probably said this a hundred times. I pray this over people. I say it. It's just, it just stuck with me from years and years ago. The word guard in that Philippians 4, 6, and 7, in verse 7, the peace of God will guard your hearts. You know, it's, it's the idea of, a, of an armed sentry, an armed soldier standing over your heart and your mind. That you've got an armed an armed soldier, spiritually, you want me to move away? Um, over your heart and your mind. So that nothing gets in your heart or your mind that doesn't need to get in. Or nothing gets out of your heart and your mind that doesn't need to get out. Because <laughs> some of us, it's not what's going in, it's what's coming out, right? <laughs> Because if it gets in your head, it might come out of your mouth. (laughs) 
it's really dangerous sometimes, right? This thing is like, whoo, it's really close too, right here and here. Don't you sometimes wish that, you know, your spirit man's like, I've got to intercept that thing that's coming to my mouth sometimes. It's coming from my head. I'm like, well, I need an interception here right now. I need like the cowboys throwing a pass. <laughs> all right, you know, can't we all just make fun of the cowboys this year? I mean, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I don't even care, okay? I don't even care. I'm definitely not for the, some random team from Washington that has no name, but... Um, <laughs> they're not even good enough to have a name, right? You're like, we can't even name you. Okay, moving on. So, <laughs> Pastor Don is a Packers fan, by the way. I just want to... <laughs> So we need a guard over our heart and our mind. And that guard is the peace of God. I need the peace of God. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So I had this idea last night. I was like, man, we, we really need to just do communion right in this season right now. We haven't done it in a while. And so we're, we're just going to go for it because I just want to do it. Uh, I know it's not the first Sunday. <laughs> next Sunday is the first Sunday. And I probably won't be here. So you all can do whatever you want next Sunday. But I want us to, to receive communion. So I'm going to have some ushers or helpers. Uh, maybe Dave, you can help me too. I think there's... They're going to hand them out. So, <laughs> We're going to hand out the, the portable ones here. You know, when Jesus came to earth as a baby... His whole point was to get to a, the cross. His whole point was to get to the point where he would give his life. That everything about his birth and his life was to get to his death and his resurrection because that's where everything changed. But we need him to be born in order for him to die. Even though he's born to die... And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, after he'd said all these things, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you to do this in remembrance of me. And so I want us to, I want us to make a declaration. If there's, any, if there's one left, I'll take one too. Um, <laughs> if, there's not, if there's not enough, did we run out? We got one left. My wife said she'll share with me. <laughs> so I want to say, you got the declaration up there, sir? Or there's, a, there's a whole declaration there at the bottom there, a communion declaration. This is something we, we got from somebody else, but it's so powerful. So I want us to, to really close with this time of declaration. Then we'll have our leaders come up and they'll... They'll, they'll pray. So this is, the, this is the prayer over the bread. So I want you to take your representative over the bread right here. Um, if you want to stand up, that's a good idea. 
And we're, we're going to declare this together. We're going to declare some things over, over our lives, over our families, over our marriages. If you're married, if you're not married, you just, you just declare it over family, however you need to word it. Uh, but let's go ahead and do this. It says, Father, I thank you for this bread that is the body of your Son and my Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my sins, my cares, my worries, my sickness, and my diseases upon your body. Thank you that your body took on all that my body could not. Next one. Oh, there it is. Father, I thank you for this. No, wait. That's not it. Is there a next? Okay. Thank you that your body took up my infirmities, diseases, my chastisement, my affliction, my scourging, my rebellion, my iniquity, my transgression, my grief, my sorrow, my anguish, my guilt, my shame, and my condemnation resulting in your body taking on my death. I proclaim that you died my death. Peter's slow. It's okay. I proclaim that I was crucified with you and that I no longer live, but you live in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith because you gave your body for me. And now, glorious Father, I receive total healing and wholeness in my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my emotions, and my body. Keep going. This life healing and wholeness includes every organ, every cell, every joint, every ligament, every muscle, and every bone in my body. I declare your total provision for any and every need. I receive total healing for every function in my body. I take this over my marriage or future marriage and declare oneness with my spouse and that you are for our covenant and empowering us to love each other supernaturally and holy. I take this over my children or future children and declare salvation for my house. And I give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. I bless your name, Father. And I also declare that through this body, I am made one with you and made one with your people. I declare forgiveness, wholeness, and grace upon all my relationships, both family and friends. Is that the last one? I take this over my local church family and the church all over the globe with which I have been united to by this body. I declare oneness, unity, forgiveness, and reconciliation over one another as we carry out the mission you have given us to love one another and to share the good news of Jesus to everyone on this planet. Thank you for your precious broken for us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you can, open the cup. We're going to read this. Declare these things of the blood of Jesus. It says this, Through the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed. Bought back by Jesus and am no longer a slave to the law, 
No longer a slave to the power of sin and no longer a slave to the power of Satan. I'm truly free by the blood. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven and no accusation can stand against me. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, made holy, and set apart to God. As I walk in the light, the blood of Jesus is cleansing me from all sin, now and continually. Internally, my conscience has been cleansed by your blood and alive to you, Holy Spirit. Through the blood of Jesus, I have confidence before God. I no longer have a consciousness of sin, but of God who gave his Son for me. The blood of Jesus speaks on my behalf mercy, forgiveness, healing, and righteousness. One more, I think, right? Nope, that's it. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. For your blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just give you praise. Let's just worship Jesus right now, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are so good. We thank you, God, that you set us free. Lord, we thank you that we're redeemed. We thank you that we have the peace of God over our lives. Lord, that we have you in our hearts, Lord, we thank you that you rule in our hearts, God, and we declare, Lord, that we will live in your peace. We will live in the power of your peace and see you extend your kingdom further and further in this city, Lord, in our neighborhoods, Lord, in our families, God. We thank you for rescuing us from darkness and bringing us into your wonderful light. And Lord, we ask that you would make us aware, make us aware of what you're doing in our lives, Lord, that we wouldn't walk around like someone who's deaf and blind spiritually, God. We walk around someone with eyes wide open, with ears, listening to your spirit speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to have my, our leaders are going to come up here. If you've never given your heart to Jesus then I encourage you to come talk to one of these leaders here today if, you're, if you want to give your heart to Jesus and, and, and experience all that was just read on that screen. Uh, if you need prayer for healing in your body, if you need prayer for a situation in your family, uh, whatever you need prayer for, we are here to pray for you. If not, God bless you as you go, and uh, we will see you later in the week. So thank you.